0: Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. I am so glad that you're tuning into our podcast this morning. Um, It's Sunday morning again. I'm down in the church office just praying and prepping for today's message. You know, I I really hope that you decide to come out and see us sometime. Um, Anyway, don't forget, this April 4th is Easter Sunday, and we this year are going to be celebrating our resurrection service uh, sunrise service up on Mount Havala, which is just the back side of Tuolumne City. We'll have signs posted so you can just follow the signs uh, to get up to the top of the mountain. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. It overlooks the canyon on one side and on the other side is Tuolumne City. It's a gorgeous place to be. There's two giant crosses up there. Um, we just so enjoy. We didn't get to do it last year, if you remember. The COVID was hitting pretty hard right then. But this year, we're going to do it. We're going to be there. Invite a friend. Come on out. It's going to be at 7 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, We'll be out there for about an hour worshiping, and there'll be a short message. And then we're going to come back to the church. If you want to come back, we're going to have a continental breakfast um, that everybody can enjoy and just do some fellowship time. And then, of course, church is going to start later at 1030. We'll have a regular uh, Sunday service. So I hope to see you come Easter Sunday. It'd be a wonderful time to come out, invite some friends, bring your family. Uh, It'll be a wonderful time to be together. God bless you. I hope you enjoy today's message. Praise God. We're in the book of John. The sermon series entitled In the Beginning. And we're now in John chapter 11. You know, it's interesting. This is probably one of the first books once I learned to read that I read. And how God is opening it up to me today is just it's just amazing to me. You know, maybe I should clarify that because some of you don't know me as well. I just learned to read about 20 years ago. I'm dyslexic and I struggle with reading. In fact, other than the word of God, I've never read an entire book. Because it's very difficult to sit down and read. And, you know, growing up that way, it's surprising how you compensate your your body, your brain. It's an amazing thing that God has created. Um, In fact, I've heard people say that people that are dyslexic are actually highly intelligent. And I didn't really believe it until I had to go back, I don't know, a few years ago and get my high school transcripts because the the county required it when I was going to work for the county. And my grades weren't bad. I was surprised. I couldn't read. I left high school with maybe a second to third grade reading level. It was really brutal, but the Lord has taught me to read. And when I say that sometimes I get anxious, and it's true, like today I've got Literally, if you looked online to those who I send my sermon notes out to, I got like 11, 12 pages today. And I don't know that we're going to be able to get through it because if I get anxious or if the Holy Spirit says, You're done, then I'm done. But it just kept going on. I couldn't stop. There was so much in chapter 11 that, that we need to talk about. It's so awesome. And so I get kind of anxious when I realize I have that much reading to do because I have this fear that all of a sudden, all the pages, all the words, letters on my page will all get scrambled. That's what dyslexic does to you. And so if you see me stumble around, just shout out the word and it'll all come together and we'll keep right on going. Amen. John chapter 11 gives us a personal look into Jesus. Jesus has feelings. And emotions you have a savior who feels your pain your emotional pain is something that we all have to go through we can't be taken out of emotional pain we have to go through it but here's the deal you don't have to go through it alone in this chapter you will see jesus feels the pain of loss People say, yeah, well, pastor, you just don't understand my pain. And honestly, maybe I don't, you may be right, but Jesus does. You have a friend, a brother, a savior who understands all things and has experienced all things, just to be able to say that he understands. You wanna see it in scripture? Look at this, Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Notice it said he was tempted in all points without sin. But it didn't say without pain, without emotions, without feelings, because he has them and he understands them. God loves you so much that he gave his son not only to die for our sins, but to experience everything, every pain, every hardship, just to be able to say, I understand. You may be thinking you're, you're going through something that God could never understand. And I'm telling you that he does. He does understand what you're going through. But before we get into this, uh, John 11, are you ready for a pop quiz? Are you ready? Okay, I'm grading you on this one. Number one. Oh, I went to two. Let's see if we can go back. There we go. Number one. Jesus identifies in chapter 10 two enemies, once in verse 1 and again in verse 8. What did he call these enemies? Don't you be looking. What did he call these enemies? He specifically, twice in this, that chapter 10. Thieves and robbers. Boy, you guys failed that one. Thieves and robbers. Did somebody say it back there? No? Okay. All right. So let's go to, let's go to number two since you failed so brutally on that one. John 10, it said, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. The feast of dedication is known today as? Hanukkah. All right. You guys got that. Praise God. I'll give you a half grade on that. Yeah. So let's look at John 11, 1, 1. John 11, 1. I'm sorry. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany. The town of Mary and his sister Martha. You guys remember Mary and Martha, right? Precious people. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now it's interesting that John gives us who this is. Because there's a lot of people named Mary in this culture, in this time. There's a whole bunch of them. So he actually identifies who who he's talking about. And we're going to see this in, ch- in chapter 12 next week. Mary and Martha are Lazarus, and Lazarus are Jesus' friends. We're not sure how long they knew each other. Luke mentions these three and it said when Jesus entered a certain village, Martha invited them in. It would stand to reason that she knew who he was inviting in. And it wasn't just Jesus. It was an entourage. I mean, it was the 12 disciples plus all these other people that were following along. It was a huge group of people. For all we know, they grew up together as kids. We don't know. We don't have that history. But this we do know. They were his friends and he loved them. So let's look at John 3, 3 and 4. It says, therefore, the sisters sent him saying, Lord, sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. I mean, it was well known that Jesus loved Lazarus. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, we understand that Jesus is talking on a spiritual level. He's not talking in earthly realms. And sometimes, in fact, most of the time, they didn't get it. Fact is, most of the time, I have to read it a couple times and get my spiritual thinking on to realize what it is he's saying. We have to have a spiritual mindset. In in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. What? He stayed two more days? If Jesus loved these people so much, why wouldn't he go immediately to them? But he stayed where he was for two more days. Have you ever been there? Praying for someone that you love who is sick, even unto death? And it almost seems as though Jesus didn't show up. I've been there. I've been there and it's it's like, Lord, are you just going to leave me alone on this? And he's not. He's working things out. Let's look at verse 7. Am I off? Back, go back. Come on now. It says, then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judah again. What? Go to Judah? That's going the opposite direction. Lord, where are we going? The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews have sought to stone you. Are you going there again? In verse 9, it says, and Jesus answered, put your spiritual caps on while you read this statement because it took me a while. Now, there are 12 hours in the day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Who's the light of this world? Honestly, I think he was talking about the sun here. But, you know, sometimes this is deep. But look at verse 10. But if anybody walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, who's he talking about there? Jesus. Jesus. In him, but understand until Jesus dies on the cross and rises again, we don't have him living in us. They didn't have him living in them, so the disciples were really confused. Wait a minute, I know there's 12 hours a day, so you're talking about when the sun goes down, then it's night, and we ah, oh, Jesus, I just don't understand. So it goes on, look at verse 11, it says. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Right? If he's just asleep, then we don't have to worry. Oh, guys, hey, he's asleep. Listen to verse 14, 13 and 14. It's doing it, okay. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said plainly, listen, Lazarus is dead. He's dead. Guys, where's your heads at? He's dead. In verse 15, he says, thank you. In verse 15, it says, However, Jesus spoke of his uh, verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's talking to his 12 disciples. I'm glad that I wasn't there when Lazarus died because you guys don't believe. Is that not what he's saying? So the 12 men that were walking this earth with a living God were having a hard time getting their head around who he really was. And Thomas, he's still stuck back, back up there when, you know, when he was talking about going to Judah and getting stoned. Because Thomas says in verse 16, he says, Then Thomas, who called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go. That means we may die with him. Let's just go ahead and just let him stone us, too. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been dead in the tomb for four days. This brings us to point number one. The Bible refers to death as sleep. Refers to death as sleep. Sleep. But understand something, when there was, there was a significance about finding out that he was already dead for four days. You see, you had these different sects of religious people. You had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed that their person could be resurrected from the dead, but only if he was dead for three days. Come the fourth day, the body stinketh, and he can't be raised again. The Sadducees, they didn't believe that anybody could be resurrected from the dead. They just said, no, it can't happen. It's not ever going to happen. So Jesus, waiting till four days, he wanted to make it clear that this was a hand of God, that it could not happen. It could not happen any other way. So the Bible refers to death as sleep. Let me tell you, show you this in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. It says, am I there? I am. Okay. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others have no hope. you understand what he's saying? Falling asleep, the Bible's referring to falling asleep as death. We know what it's like when we have a funeral of someone that we believe is not born again. It's, it's hard, it's difficult. It says, verse 14, For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have died before us. Verse 15 it says, For this, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive will remain until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who are asleep. Those who are asleep will go first. People who have died before us are going to be the first coming back in the resurrection when when we are resurrected into our new bodies. Verse 17, then we who are alive will remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That's not a suggestion. We need to tell people these words, that we are born again and that we live forever. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 8. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Man, I tell you, that's where I wanna be, absent from the body and present with the Lord. Let's get back to John. John eleven eighteen. 18, it says, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women with Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. These, these ladies were well-liked, well-known in the area. John 20, it says, And Martha, as soon as as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, if you guys remember Mary and Martha, you kind of understand why Mary was there. Do you guys remember the story? You know, Martha was, you know, the one that was doing all the work and cooking. And she went to Jesus and said, hey, hey, can't you get her up off her derriere and come help me in the kitchen? We got all these people to feed and, and You know, Jesus is so lovingly, Martha, Martha, Martha. She has chosen the best thing. So here we can see that Martha is gone to go meet with Jesus and Mary just stays mourning. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. John 22, it says, okay, I'm in the right place. John 22, it says, Now, but even now, I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you Jesus. He will give it to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. You can tell that she was well taught. She understood the word of God. She knew that there is a resurrection day and that John would be there or Lazarus would be there. Verse 25. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall not die. Do you believe this? Church, I'm asking you, do you believe this? This is the greatest news of all of salvation. It's the greatest news of everything, of the world. We will not die. Verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. The son of God who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way secretly. And she called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and he's asking for you. This brings me to point number two. We must walk by faith. We must walk by faith. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You should have this one memorized. For we walk by faith, not by not by sight. Not the things that you see going on. We walk by faith. I see the things that are going on in my son's life. And I, I think, Lord, how could you ever? I have to walk by faith. Not by sight. Not by what it looks like. I walk by faith that he is the righteousness of God. That God has not forgotten him that he will be there. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? The Apostle Paul responds, foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. Verse 38, but God gives it a body as he pleases to each seed its own body. Let me break that down a little bit. Have you ever planted a seed? That seed is dead. It has to be dead. It has to be dried. You can't put a a wet seed out of a plant in the ground and expect it, it's got to dry out. It has to completely die. And then God gives it a body. We have to die before we get our spiritual bodies. Unless we're in that resurrection day, which I'm praying it is very soon. Amen. 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 So now let's go 1539. 39 through 55. Now, this is a long stretch of scripture here, but I really believe that you need to hear it. And I took it out of the easy to read version, the ERV but I think you're going to really like this. All things made of flesh are not the same. People are one kind of flesh. Animals are another. And birds have another. And fish, yet another kind of flesh. Verse 40. Also, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the beauty of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the beauty of the earthly bodies is another. Do you understand that? you're gonna see me six foot tall, 165 pounds, dark hair, a full head of hair, looking good. The spiritual body has one kind of beauty. The physical body has another. Verse 41 says, the sun has one kind of beauty and the moon has another kind and the stars have another. Each star is different in its beauty verse 42 it will be the same when those who have died and are raised to life the body that is planted in the grave will ruin and decay but it will be raised to life that cannot be destroyed can i get an amen? amen verse 43 when the body is planted it is without honor but when it is raised It will have great and glorious. It will be great and glorious. When the body is planted, it is weak. When it is raised, it will be full of power. The body is planted, is a physical body. When it is raised, it will be a spiritual body. There is a physical body, so there is also a spiritual body. Do you believe that? We have to. This is this is basics of our faith. Verse forty-five says, as the scriptures say, the first man, Adam, being a living person, but the last man Adam, Jesus, being a living, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual man did not come first. It was the physical man that came first. Then it came then it came the the spiritual verse 47 the first man came from the dust of the earth the second man came from heaven all people belong to earth they are like the first man of earth but those who belong to heaven are like the man of heaven amen? amen we have spiritual bodies verse 49 we are made like that man of earth so we will also be made like the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers and sisters, our bodies of flesh and blood cannot be a part of God's kingdom. Something that will ruin cannot be a part of something that never ruins. We will not have these bodies. These bodies will return to the earth If we are lucky enough to be alive at the rapture, when Jesus comes for the church, we'll be instantly transformed into our spiritual bodies. These physical bodies do not go to heaven. And we need to be aware of that. Let's go to verse 51. But listen, I tell you a secret. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. He's telling us that we won't all die. Some of us will will be caught up in that rapture. We won't have to die first. Verse 52, it will only take a time of a second. He will be changed as quickly as the eye blinks. This will happen when the last trumpet blows. The trumpet will blow and those who have died will rise and live forever. And we will be changed. We have to realize this and understand this verse 53 thank you verse 53 the body that ruins must clothe itself with something that will never ruin and this body that dies must clothe itself with something that will never die that's the spirit of god Verse 54: So this body that ruins will clothe itself with <clears throat> that which never ruins, and this body that dies will clothe itself with that which never dies. When this happens, the scripture will be made true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55: "O oh death, where is your victory? Where is your power to hurt? Our victory is in Jesus Christ and death cannot affect us. So this gets back to this Martha who is talking to Jesus. 11.29. 11.29 says, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and she came to him. This is Mary now. Remember, Martha told Mary, hey, Jesus is asking for you. So as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and she came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into town, but he was in the place where Martha met him. Verse 31. <clears throat> then the Jews who were with her in the house and, and comforting her. When they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, he saw her and she fell down at his feet saying to him, am I in the right place? Yes. Saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he says to her, where have you laid him? And they said to him, come and see. Come and see. In verse 30, 35, Jesus wept. You know, we read over. That's the shortest scripture in the Bible. Jesus wept and we just kind of read over. it. Yeah, he cried a little bit. That isn't what it says. This word wept, eclipsy in the, in, the, in the Greek. It meant to lament, to mourn, to weep, to deplore, to wail. I mean, he was wailing. Then in verse 36, they they said, the Jews said, see how he loved him. How would they know how much he loved him if he wasn't mourning openly in front of them? I mean, he was carrying on and, and they were going, God, if he loved him so much, why didn't he get here earlier and heal him when he was sick? They were confused. But Jesus, I'm showing you, has feelings, feels our emotion and feels the sting of death. At least he did there and some of them said in 37 could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have saved this man from dying of course he could have brings me to point number three it's okay to grieve it's okay to grieve it's humanly natural to grieve and we should when we lose someone you've got to grieve look at hebrews 5 7 and 8 who in the days of his flesh, when he, Jesus, had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears, he who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Verse 8 Though he was a son, yet he learned disobedience. Obedience, I'm sorry. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered to me that's an amazing scripture god in the flesh could learn That just blows my mind but he could learn he could understand the feelings that these creation that he made that they have god understands how we feel when we're going through a very difficult time John 11:38 through44. Did it turn? Come on, baby. Ah there we go. John 38. Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, "Take away the stone." And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is stench, for he has been dead for four days. There it is again. The four day thing. There's no way possible, Lord. He's been dead four days. It's probably against the law for you to even open the tomb. Because it's not going to be pretty, Jesus. Verse 40. Jesus said to her. I do, I, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41, then he took away the stone and from the place where the dead man was laying, Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He's praying now. Verse 42, And I know that you always hear me. But because of these people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. He is praying again for us, for them, that they would believe. Do this, Father. I know that you will. I know that's the plan. But, Father, they need to believe that you sent me. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who was dead, and he who was who he who had died come out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said, Loose him and let him go. And brings me to point number four. death is not the end it's not the end John 11 25 and 26 we already read this once but we're going to read it again it says I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me though he may die he shall live we need to have that in our spirit and know that we do not die we're transformed We're planted in that fertile soil, we transform. Verse 26, and he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Look at Psalms 116 through 15, it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You need to just take that in. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints because we don't die. We now become part of God's kingdom. Philippians 1, 21 through 23, it says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yes, amen. Verse 22, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. What is the Apostle Paul telling us here? He's saying, I'd rather go home and be with God today. I I would rather go home and be with God today. But we have work to do while we're still here on this earth. And we're trying to be fruitful, just like what the Apostle Paul was saying. He says in verse 23, he says, For I am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I believe that. Look at this scripture in Revelation, Revelation 20, 13 through 15. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged one according to his works. Then the death of Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone found and anyone not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. But we don't need to be worried. Look at 21.8. It says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexual immorals, The sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Look at Revelation 2.11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. We don't have to worry because we belong to Christ. Look at Revelation 26. Blessed and holy is he who is a part of the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God, of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Praise God. We have such a future to look forward to. I know there are times in this world that it's difficult. I know we go through hard times. And we're gonna mourn the loss of loved ones from time to time. But we know that they are in the kingdom of God. Let's go back to John 11, verse 45. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. You know, there's always spies in every crowd. There's going to be somebody that's going to go tell those, you know, um, at the county health department that we're holding church and you guys aren't socially distanced. And, you know, there's always going to be somebody. But don't worry about that. Look at verse 47. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do for this man works many signs? Am I in the right place? Yes. OK, but this man works Many signs. What are we going to do about him? If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and the nation. They had a lot to be scared about. Verse 49. It says, And one of them, Caiaphas, being a high priest of that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. Praise God for this man. Nor do you consider that this is expedient for us, that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Praise God for Caffius' sight. Verse 51. And now this he did not say in his own authority, but being the high priest of that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, but not only for the world, for you and me. Verse 52, it says, and, and not that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who are scattered abroad. There you are in the word of God again. I just, I just seen your name again. Verse 53. Then from that day on, they plotted, To put him to death Mm. verse 54 it says therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim and there he remained with his disciples verse 55 verse 55 it says and the Passover of the Jews was near. John does a beautiful job of giving us a timeline. We're going to go into uh, chapter 12 next week. And it's actually about two months. If you look at the time before the Passover to where the the week of Jesus is coming. And it's gonna, we're going to see that in, in chapter 12. And the Passover was near. Did I get that right? Yes. The Passover was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves. This as they stood in the temple. What do you think that he will not come to the feast? Am I in the right place? Yes. Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given command. That if anyone knows, knew where he was, that he should report it, that they might seize him. Now, I know I talk a lot about the disciples and how they didn't get it. They couldn't. They couldn't until Jesus is actually crucified and put in the grave and rose again. They couldn't get a grip of what was really happening. And even us today, we go into the Easter week and we go, man, I, I just... I don't understand. It's because we're looking at it through, through our mindly minds and not the spiritual mind of what Jesus Christ has truly done. When we realize that death has no power over us, isn't that a, a great feeling? That should make us excited. that death does not rule over us. It can't help us. It can't hurt us. We know that we belong to him. We belong to him fully and wholly. Tony, could you please come back? I don't know if John chapter nine has been more for me or for you, but it was like a reminder scene that the resurrection is real, that our lives are real. When we die, we just transform immediately into his presence. We don't have to worry. And I know sometimes, I was just talking to Kathy, we have relatives sometimes that pass away, and we don't know. They didn't make a confession confession of faith in front of us. We don't know. Well, guess what? It's not our job to judge. We believe in a loving God that's somewhere throughout the course of that loved one's life. But why would you take a chance? Why would you not tell somebody? That Jesus Christ really, truly did die on the cross for you and for me. And it takes away the sting of death. We don't have to worry anymore. We know that we belong to him. And we need to see that more than ever this Resurrection Sunday. We should be celebrating. We should be clapping and shouting. We are free. We are free. Death cannot take us. It cannot. Because we're his. We're his. We're his. Next week, we're going to see more of how Jesus really felt. John makes it so clear. He truly did have a special relationship with the Lord, and he expresses so clearly that that Jesus' was only concern was about us. Do you think he was a little nervous about what was to come? Wouldn't you be? We're going to see Jesus pray in the garden saying, Lord, if you could take it away from me, if you could take this cup away from me, I'm game. You could take it away. It'd be okay. But the father said, there's no other way. And Jesus loved us so much that he that he had to go through. And he didn't do it so that we could live in nice houses and heating and air conditioning. He didn't do it so that we could drive the best cars. He didn't do it so that we could live in the lap of luxury. We are so blessed to be in the United States. Even the poorest one among us, whoever that is, is rich in the sight of two-thirds of the rest of the world. And because of all the luxuries that we have, we tend to forget what truly Jesus has done for us and that we need to know and we need to profess it. We need to tell people. I watched a show on YouTube I don't remember the name of it, but it was a, a movie that was done by three or four different people who had death experiences. They went to heaven and they came back into their own bodies. And this one lady was so excited, she comes back and she wakes up in the hospital room. She sees her family standing around. her. She wasn't supposed to come back and she came back. And immediately she said, I talked to Jesus. I talked to Jesus. He's real. The whole thing, the whole thing is real. They wound up putting her into an insane asylum for about two weeks. Because she couldn't stop herself from talking about the love that she experienced. We have no idea that love that is so profound that it just overwhelms you. takes you, And you cannot talk about it. Finally, through much prayer and counseling with her pastor, she decided only to share her testimony with those who ask. because they were thinking that she was crazy. How sad is that? We have life. Eternity forever. And we get to be together forever. I want that to become valuable to you to realize what God truly has done for us It's not about Easter eggs. It's not about a basket and chocolates. And that's fun because I want to see these kids smile and have fun. But it's truly about what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Tony, would you like to lead us in a song, please? Let's all stand together.